Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Conference is happening again this summer, the Mideast um, Conference that we held two years ago here in Myrtle Beach. A lot of you were a part of making that happen. Well, that same conference is happening again this summer. It's going to be in Virginia Beach. So if you would like to be a part of that, there is early sign now, which is, um, I guess there's a discounted rate for early sign up. So there is brochures in the back and out in the lobby if you would like to uh, get a little bit more information about what that conference is going to be. So, well, good morning. Let me... um, Start with a little story. So I, um, my senior year in college, I'm trying to pick a class that would um, fulfill a requirement for a biblical studies, but then also be easy. And so I'm thinking my senior year, I've got some heavy coursework and some other classes. I'm thinking, can I pick a class that will be easy? And so I start going through, and somebody had told me about this class called Joshua Judges Ruth. It was a book study through three books. And I said, okay, I, they, they liked it. They said it was fun too bad. I'll do that one. And so registration came around, and I registered. The semester finished. That next semester started, and the first day of class, and class schedules came out. And I said, huh, that's an interesting place to have a class. I haven't been in that building, so uh, and so I'm looking at it, and sure enough, we um, make our way around to this room, and and I'm waiting there, and there's a few other students, but I was like, this can't be right because this is a conference room. Like, why am I here? So I guess the section of class was um, smaller. So sure enough, professor came around the corner. He says, "Good morning," and we go in, and we all sit around a conference table. There were seven of us with the professor. Not what you think of when you think easy senior level class. Because if you sleep in, everybody knows. If you didn't read, everybody knows. You, it, yeah, if you get up and leave, everybody knows. So um, here I am thinking, oh, goodness, I don't really have anything else that'll fit in that block, that time, because I already built my schedule and I'm wrestling with it. And I was like, well, there's this thing called ad drop. If I drop the class before ad drop is over, I don't get any penalties. So I was thinking I would drop the class. Well, I never found anything to replace it, so I stayed. Turns out it was my favorite class I took in college because I sat around the table with the professor, and later he let us know that his whole goal in writing the syllabus for the class was to disciple us through the material. And hung out with us around the table. And so we spent a semester with a professor that just spent almost one-on-one time with us. And so it built in me a love for those three books of the Bible. And so I'm hoping to convey a little bit of that to you guys this morning. Um, We were trying to, we were talking, some of us in staff were talking about the message today. And then I was bouncing around some ideas And then, I guess a week ago, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to just share kind of what I've been looking at, what I've been reading, what I've been um, 
you know, studying. So it goes back to that time that I spent in college. That's kind of where the root is, and I've kind of revisited these ideas over and over. So we are in the book of Joshua this morning. We're going to be in chapter 20. And there in the first verse through the sixth, then the Lord said to Joshua, tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of these cities, he is to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his case before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into their city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused because he killed his neighbor unintentionally and without malice or forethought. He is to say, stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then he may go back to his own home in the town from which he fled. Now, Jay, why did you pick that of all things, right? Passage about death and cities. Okay, so here we are. So um, let's do a little bit of the backstory. The context is key, right? Like where the scripture is written, the stuff that wraps before and afterwards tells the story. So before that, these people had been slaves in Egypt, and then Moses led them out. They went into the wilderness, and then they were going into the promised land that God had told them they were going to have. Well, then at one point, they sent in spies, and there was disobedience, and they said, no, we can't do it. They're too big. And God said, hmm, okay, you're going to wander here for a little while, and then when the next generation comes up that wants to follow me, I'm going to lead them into the promised land. So they wandered in the wilderness, and then Moses dies, and Joshua has been serving under Moses, and he takes them into the promised land. And they designate all the tribes and towns and cities and everything. And so they're there, and they're beginning to make established tribes around. Okay, and then that's where we get to where Joshua is still instructing them of what to do with their territory. Okay, so they're to make this city. Well, something else that's in the Hebrew, if you look at a more literal translation, it says, give for yourself a city. So what God was doing is he knew that there would be a need. And he said, we're going to make provision for that need. Okay, so we also have to make sure that we're not looking at scripture in our context. A lot of you are doctors and nurses and know that we have health care that we can get access to pretty readily, right? So this time, this age, it was not so. And so any time that you're in an agricultural climate where you're doing lots of physical labor, moving, you've got cattle, you've got wagons, you've got all that kind of stuff, there's a pretty high chance for injury, right? Well, those injuries might not have been fatal up front, but without proper care, they could be, right? And so there's a lot more opportunity in this hard lifestyle for someone to pass by the hands of somebody else. 
Um, Deuteronomy says they describe it as if you're chopping wood and somehow the axe head slips and was to catch your neighbor. It may not have been fatal then, but it may eventually be fatal. And so there's no intent or malice. It just was happening. It's, so God said, I'm going to make a provision for those situations. Well, these cities were walled cities with gates, and they were set up to be protective. So our first fill-in is that the city offered refuge. Well, yeah, Dodge. Right? I mean, that's some low-hanging fruit right there, right? Um, city of refuge, the city offered refuge. Well, what would happen is they were there, the priests were presiding over the city, and the individual that had this issue, that had killed their brother, their friend, by accident, could run to this city, they would stand at the gates and present their story, and then they would be allowed in, and they would immediately go see the priest. And the priest would then provide them a place to stay and take care of them while they were there sorting things out. And so one uh, commentary that I was reading through, it said, just imagine having been guilty of murder by accident. You have the heaviness of that on you. You have the weight and guilt that you were experiencing. But then you also know that this is a culture where they didn't have law enforcement like we do. They didn't have somebody regulating pretty regular and enforcing the law and the code. So that individual could come after them, their family members, someone who was vengeance, was just raging, and they could come after them. And it would be okay for them to shed blood for blood. That's what it would have been at that time. So imagine you have the weight and guilt of this knowing, and then all of a sudden you know, wait a minute, now I... And worried for my life. And so you would begin making your way to the city as fast as you could, watching your back, making sure that nobody else was coming after you. And so once you got there, the priest would welcome you in and say, okay. And you begin to hear your story and then he would provide a place for you. The city also offered representation. So what would happen is that the priest would hear your story, but then later what happens is that the person who is coming after you, or persons, it could be a mob depending on who it was, is coming after you, the guards at the gate would say, wait, we must hear the story, and you must see the priest. And so they would present their story to the priest the priest hearing both sides would then also pursue three witnesses so that they could get a really good understanding of what took place. The city offered representation. We have to make sure that we're not reading out of our context, but out of what was taking place. We have something called a Bill of Rights, right? And the seventh one says, Seventh Amendment says that we are afforded a trial of our peers if we're ever found guilty. Well, this provision 
was extraordinary out of the time. Does that make sense? This provision that God was making for his people was not the norm. It's extra. It's above and beyond. The city also offered rest. Now, not only did they come into the gates and they said, okay, shut the gates behind the guy. Okay, you're here hanging out. The priest provided a place for them to stay. It's over and above. It's beyond what is required. It's extra. Now, why, Jay, would we go through all these details? Why are we talking about this? The wonderful, beautiful thing that I picked up studying those three books in the Old Testament is how much it's tied to the New Testament and how much it pertains to who we are and how God loves us. So many times, Old Testament stories are a beautiful image of God's character. It's this beautiful image that it is not just that he gave them this land, but he's also setting it up to provide for them proper order and protection. Scripture says, this is, this is not the fun part of Scripture. Scripture says in Romans 3.23 that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that means I have sinned and I've fallen short of the glory of God. So God, in his dealing with the people, in knowing that sin had entered and made things out of order, he provided a way to deal with that. Well, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This passage was an image of God's love for his people and a foreshadowing of Christ to come. There was guilt. There was shame. There was need. The man could go to the gate and find refuge. He could find representation and rest. If you go back to that first point, Christ offers refuge. Scripture tells us that in our time of need, we turn to Christ. He will offer refuge. See, the high priest that worked there, in the temple was also overseeing the dealings and the communication and connection with God and his people. Well, Hebrews is saying, well, well, Jesus has done that now. And so he is dealing with the connection to God and his people. And so we can also experience refuge by turning to Christ. Christ also offers 
representation. So this is key in our process of dealing with sin. Like, Scripture also tells us there's nothing we can do to fix it. Like, we can do a lot of good works. We can try an awful lot of stuff, but we can't fix it. We can't take it back. But Scripture tells us that Christ gave himself pure and holy to be that for us. And that he will say, Dad, when you look to them, look on me. The things that I have done. Y'all, listen, this is how, this is how it works. Um, yesterday, I had to contact a friend and ask for forgiveness because of the way I acted and treated them. I had sin. I mean, there's just no way around it the way I was. Ask them for forgiveness. But I also had to turn to God and say, God, man, I messed that up. (laughs) Will you help me through it? Will you take that on? Because I I need you to mediate. Well, that's what Christ is offering. He's saying, listen, if you will turn to me, I will stand before the Father and say, this one is mine. Look on me and the blood I shed on the cross. Christ offers representation before the Father. Christ also offers rest. Christ said, if you will turn to me, my burdens are light. The yoke is easy. Do you know what the yoke is? It would have been more an agricultural time where a yoke was oxen and they were pulling wagons and the yoke was around the oxen's neck. And they were pulling and working and toiling and the oxen would be pulling a wagon full of stuff. Christ is saying, but what I'm going to give you isn't that toiling. It's not that working hard and striving. It's I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to take care of you. Christ offers rest. Well, there's another piece to this. That is imagery of Christ's church, right? Like if, if we are the ambassadors, if we are the people who follow Christ and we are his children, his ambassadors to the world, then this has implications for us, right? And so as Christ followers, we are to offer refuge, as Christ followers. So we are to be Christ emissaries in the world. We are to create a space for people to find refuge and deal with things appropriately, right? That's what the priest did. He created a space. It wasn't, and see, I think sometimes we get fearful of that idea because, um, oh, we just... Everybody in, everybody in. Well, listen, the priest dealt kindly with the individual, appropriately. And I think that's what we're called to do, is we're called to swing open the doors and say, come in for refuge, and we'll deal kindly with you. The church is also supposed to be a place of representation. We represent Christ to the world. 
we stand and we say, the God that we know and love loves you. The God we know and love is calling you to join him. We offer representation. I was reading through a while back, and it came to mind as I was prepping for this, about um, racial reconciliation and communities and trying to make amends and work through very difficult, tense processes. And one person that the end of one thing, the writer that had been working on this in community said, he said, what if each individual could pause enough to represent the other? What if they could pause and they could say, okay, I'm going to take what you're telling me and I'm going to own it and I'm going to present it back to you. How crazy is it when somebody would stand in the gap for somebody else, right? The representation. They're saying, we're not going to leave that person out to dry. You know, we're going to bring them in. Well, then the church is also supposed to offer rest, right? It's supposed to be a place where you can come in and be you and find a spot And you can just be you and Jesus and meet God here, right? Here's something that's that's wonderful that I love about my job is I get to hear about small groups and what's taking place in the small groups that happen in our church. And I get to hear stories of what's taking place. And I hear stories like my family and I were going through some really hard times. And my small group would spend time praying for us. I moved here and had no one. And my small group became my family. I didn't have a place to fit. My small group became that for me. You see, it's not just, that is a huge plug for small groups, by the way. And I'd love to talk to you about them. But It's not this idea that it's um, so, um, it's this idea that we can simply be Christ to others by offering those three things. And here's what's so beautiful about all of it. And it just, it goes above and beyond. Like all the things that the priest was doing with the people was above and beyond. He didn't just bring them into the gates and say, hey, just hang out, sit by that wall, and in three months we'll figure your trial out when the Avengers come. He didn't say, oh, well, you can sleep with the goats and we'll um, see what happens. They provided a place. It was above and beyond the care for them. And this is what Christ did for us. After the work on the cross, he said, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the helper. It's above and beyond. He didn't just make amends for our transgressions or our sins. He made an avenue for us to live a full life. He made a way through the Holy Spirit. We are empowered to live worthy of the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? We've been given so much above and beyond. And in uh, Matthew verse 10, uh, chapter 10, I don't know if I got that into, oh, I did. Look at that. Whew. 
Thanks, Riley. Um, Matthew 10 says, As you go, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Right? Right? So it's this beautiful thing that, like, we've been given so much above and beyond, and we're asked to pour it out on everybody else. There's a, um, and that's even represented in this passage in Joshua, and when it says, give of yourself, who would have been giving? The people that had just received the inheritance of the land. They would then have to say, oh, I'm going to take this, and I'm going to give this back to God so that he can do his thing here. So out of their inheritance, they were asked to give, and out of your inheritance, you are asked to give. And it's beautiful. It's not, it's not heavy. God says it's light. And his ways are good. We have a song that we're about to, um, to do. Um, and Skip and I chatting, he actually chose it um, because it focuses on the God of our mothers and fathers. So as I gained a love and a passion for Joshua, Judges, and Ruth, hopefully hanging out in the Old Testament this morning wasn't too scary because it can get weird in the Old Testament. But all the way through, just as we sang about Christ, about God being a way maker, all the way through, he's been drawing his people back to himself. And you are a part of that plan. You're here this morning because you're a part of that plan. God is calling and drawing you back to himself. It's as simple as saying, God, I give all of me to everything I know about you. Take and do it. Do with my life the wonderful good plan you've got. And if you've already been there, if you've already had that conversation with God and you've given him your heart and your life, then he's saying, remember, don't take it back. I offer refuge. Remember, I offer the representation and I offer the rest. Don't take it back. And then he's also saying, now will you go be that for other people? Will you go be those things so that others might know my love and my care for them? Let's sing, Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.